Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello and welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. My name is Mark Hamilton. Joining me today, my friend, my neighbor, my colleague, my frenemy, Mr. Mark Daly. And Mr. Mm -hmm. Daly, just moments ago, you and I sat down for a little old listening session. We pulled out the vinyl record. (laughs) By that, I mean we went to YouTube. But we were listening to the brand new Formula One themed Will I Am, Lil Wayne Banger Formula. My friend, what were your initial impressions of the that The initial track? impressions, I like it. You know, I just kind of like rushed through and kind of skipped ahead here and there because it dropped the <laughs> same time as we were ready to to hit record here in the, in the studio. What was that? That one line like uh, from the middle of the song, I got a Mercedes like Lewis, you know, like, you know, like I'm complete. Yeah. Yeah. No that, that, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was cool, man. I liked it. Uh, I'll have to listen to it a couple more times rather than kind of playing it at the same time as we're going. Of course. But uh, interesting. I, you know, I had no idea that this was even a thing until you dropped it into our group chat this morning i'm like wow cool but it's very timely right what with miami gp this weekend so you know my friend you just you nailed it there's all this promotional activity about formula one because of the tie-ins to the miami grand prix of course this is our second year now that we've gone to south florida but before we move on my friend Yes or no question. Is Lil Wayne on your Mount Rushmore of rappers? Yes or no? Oh man, that that's you know, that's a great question because when it comes to like rappers, I'm so old school. So I'd have to say that he gets like an honorable mention. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. So he is on mine for people that need to know. He definitely (laughs) makes the cut. But I think my immersion into hip hop, well, really probably started around 89, 90. It really picked up steam in 97. So I think early Lil Wayne and cash money is something I'm familiar with. But enough of that, my friend. It's the Miami Grand Prix weekend, and we've got so much to chat about today. First, a couple of quick updates that I promise we get on the air. We talked to our good friend Magnus, the founder, the owner, the mastermind behind Race Weekend, the magazine. If you are interested in when the new episode, the new episode, the new issue is coming out, they are at the printers now and will be shipping soon. And before we get going a little farther, Maddie. And myself, again, we have been teasing this forever uh, that we were going to do a MotoGP 101 episode. Maddie's going to sit down with me next week, and we're going to do an extended MotoGP corner just to get everyone up to speed with the MotoGP season so far. And we have finally, finally been able to lock down friend of the show, Matt Clark. He and I are going to sit down, and hopefully, Mr. Daly, you can join us for this as well, for a sesh at the end of May to get caught up on everything that's going on in his world. And of course, if you know, he's on track. He's taking the journey to the indie series which I think is something that he's probably going to be able to successfully achieve in the next couple of years. But we're going to sit down and talk to him about his personal journey. Of course, he's been on the show a couple of times in the past, as well as talk to him 
about Indy and Formula One. But aside from that, man, I think we've got a pretty action-packed show today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what with uh, Miami coming up, uh, you know, just to, well, I mean, like literally like today, it's uh, it's exciting because now it's, we're, we're, I find that we're in such this weird spot that we had three races off the top of the season. And then I feel like it's like all the interest died in the season after like first, you know, the, the first free Red Bull wins of the, the year, we go into a month long break. And I feel like just coming back, we've really, really, really struggled to get back going again. But I'm hoping this weekend we'll have a good, uh, a good race, an exciting race. And there'll be a lot of stuff on track to talk about, which I'm hoping will really remedy, remedy like some of the, the blahs that we've seen, you know, since, since we came back last weekend. But I'm excited. I'm like, I'm really, looking forward to it i think one of the reasons and this kind of segues perfectly into one of the visual charts that we have this week but i think one of the reasons that there might be some of that that attitude that that energy in the formula one ecosystem in the community right now is i think the championship's been a bit of a downer mm-hmm. that obviously i think we can all sit back and appreciate that everything that red bull is doing from a technical perspective and what their drivers are doing behind the steering wheel of those cars but Red Bull has now won 14 or they sorry they have 14 wins in the last 15 races and that's only happened twice before in the modern history of Formula 1. Of course, Mercedes did that from 2014 to 2015, they did it again from 2015 to 2016, but the reason I bring up this stat is because we're in this period of sustained dominance from from Red Bull and I I get it that 2021 was close and 2022 was a bit of a blowout and we have every reason to think that 2023 is going to be a blowout, but I think it's a little bit of a let down because we entered this period of new regulations with this promise, this this commitment from Formula One and the FIA that the racing was going to be closer. Now, I did see a comment coming out of the press briefings in Miami this week that I thought was interesting. And I think it may have been from Fernando Alonso. And his comment was like, look, if you take if you take Red Bull out of the equation, the rest of the field is actually pretty close, at least relative to where it's been before. And the racing there is pretty good. It's just, unfortunately, we just have one team that is just so, so far ahead of the rest of the pack. And I even threw on our outline today a comment from Adam Stern. And I really want to get your thoughts on this, Mr. Daly, because mm-hmm. like me, you're a big fan of North American team sports. But Adam Stern said, Americans are used to sports where rules and structures are put in place to stop the same teams dominating with parity, one of the great appeals of the NFL. And the current domination of Red Bull represents an obvious risk to the country's embrace of F1. I think that might be the first time you've heard that comment, but what are your kind of initial reactions to that? Yeah, I think that's a very astute observation by Adam. And just to, to, to put it out there and basically summarize it in a couple of sentences. And I mean, parody is something that we've heard talked about for a long, long time now in North American sports. And, you know, I, I know there's a lot to be said when it's uh, when it comes to motor racing. It's just like, well, you know, if, if you go out and you're able to design and build the best car and it just it's miles literally ahead of everyone else then that the more power to you you know that's that's the fruit of your labors that's your your just reward for for figuring out and, and getting it right however it, it, totally it can make it a little bit 
boring. It can make it a little bit predictable. And I'm not just talking about the first three, four races of this season. We've seen it in other eras of Formula One as well. Not just, uh, and I'm not going to hate on Mercedes who were the, the ones before, but we've seen it during the Schumacher years with uh, with uh, Ferrari. We saw it with, uh, with, uh, with McLaren in the early, or the late 80s, early 90s, when they basically were winning all the races as well. So this is kind of it's it's almost like a generational conversation now. It's it, so it, true. Yeah, so you know, because I, I remember having discussions like this with my dad, my brother, like way back in the day when we were were kids, and then teenagers, and then twenty somethings, and thirty somethings, and thirty plus somethings, and. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't hope that that you know one of these days when I'm sitting and feel you know, like in, you know in my recliner with a long gray beard and a couple of marbles just kind of rattling around upstairs that I'm talking about this with my kids, you know, grandkids, you know that uh, you know <laughs> it just hasn't changed all these years. But I think you know I think it is a you know all joking aside, I think that's a really good observation from 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 Adam Adam Stern and and I find that this is a really interesting kind of epoch in in, in formula and this very moment in time because undoubtedly they have benefited from all the pub, uh, publicity and all the popularity that they've they've gained over the past couple of years because during like the peak early bizarre days of covid when nobody was doing anything Formula One after that 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 initial three four month shutdown was like literally the only thing going, albeit behind closed doors. And I, I remember watching EPL matches and Bundesliga and things like that, and 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 other sports, um, you know, that were being played in stadia and, and and arenas that had nobody in them as well. But with with Formula One, it still kind of had it, it felt more legit. Right. And so a lot of people tuned in, even though 2020 was kind of like a weird kind of season and Mercedes still kind of sort of dominated, but maybe not to the same degree as they did previous to that. And then we go into 21. We have this epic battle between Lewis and Max, regardless of how that turned out in the end. Uh, it, it, was, it was epic. epic. Absolutely. And then amazing. last year was it, it, it was a bit of a hangover. And I think a lot of people were probably to the point that, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give them a bit of a pass and we'll see what comes back and what happens next year. But now it seems to be, you know, rinse, wash and repeat, you know, control C, control V. It just, it feels like the pattern has become a little bit too, too repetitive. So I, I find now that we're at this, this, I don't want to say we're like on the precipice, but I feel that, you know, Adam's comments are very, very timely because like that, that whole issue of parody is like, you know, people want to see a bit of unpredictability. Everybody wants to see a little bit of excitement and we all have our favorite drivers. We all have our favorite teams, but it would just mean that much more that if you could, if the, you know, if the sport was on more of a level playing field that 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 more drivers had a legitimate shot to win a race and 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 fight for for championships and things like that so i, I know where he's going with it and i i just i want to expand on on what he means by rules and structures that are designed to create parity but i think it's important to understand where his sentiment is coming from and i think it's coming from in part the fact that the Miami Grand Prix, and I'm sure come Sunday, I'm positive by Sunday, when you watch it on TV, those grandstands are going to be full. But I had sent out a tweet that I shared with you a couple of days ago, and I basically said, um, look, like there's lots of tickets available in Miami, and they've got a really aggressive 
kind of email marketing strategy going. And the reason I sent that tweet was because I was getting pounded with emails from the Miami Grand Prix race organizers, tickets, 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 tickets. And over the last couple of days, they have been absolutely slashing prices on tickets. And this kind of picked up steam and it's gone a little bit viral. Not necessarily my post in general, but this this idea that Miami is having trouble selling out the race after just one after just one year. And, and I think that's kind of where some of this Adam Stern sentiment is coming from, which is, 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 is the current product on the track compelling enough to keep people coming back, especially as Americans and what he means by rules and structures. And I think, and, and you know what, forgive me everyone in North America, because I think we're just conditioned to this. But if you look at our big four sports, the NHL, major league baseball, probably, probably especially the NFL and, and, and the NBA and the NHL, those leagues have costs, caps, salary caps that are designed to manage the amount of money that teams spend. And what it's designed to do is create parity and help to stabilize and nurture small markets. So if I own a team in Milwaukee, I can be as competitive as a team in New York because we're both restricted on how much money we can spend on salary. And the other thing that we do in North American sports is we award teams for being bad and we award them by being or we award them for being bad by giving them high lottery picks. So every single year, the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NHL, et cetera, they have drafts and they draft this upcoming crop of young players coming out of major junior hockey leagues and out of the colleges and things like that. But the worse you are in the season, in the season prior, the higher your pick is. So the more talented young players you're able to pick. And of course, in Europe, my friend, you can speak to this probably better than anyone. If you're bad in European soccer, you are penalized (laughs) for being bad and you get demoted. Exactly. Right, yep. and there's absolutely no there's no salary caps at all to manage spending. So if you're a team in London or like a Chelsea, or if you're a team in Manchester or Barcelona or Paris, you can spend as much money as you want on your team. Parity be damned. But in North America, we built all these structures and and these rules to make sure that there's as much parity as possible to nurture interest nationally in as many markets as possible. And I think that's the that's kind of the fear with F1 right now is, hey, we've implemented these rules. And despite these rules, we have one team that's absolutely crushing. But on the other hand, like you said, you know, the technical side of the sport is as much a part of the championship as what the drivers are doing on the track. And Red Bull have just absolutely nailed the regulations on the technical side of the sport. So it's this tough situation where we're kind of damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, because we want better racing and we want more competition and we want different race winners every single week. But at the same time, I don't think it's fair to necessarily punish Red Bull for being so good by punishing Red Bull, I mean, starting to introduce technical directives to claw back their advantage through rule changes that go after certain things about their car that are a benefit to them on the race weekend. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, the only time I would be in favor of something like that is if it's proven that that Red Bull or any team for that matter has kind of like found a way to or found a loophole in the rules and they, they have some sort of a legal piece of bodywork or or something that would be in complete contravention of of the sporting regs. And that, you know, I think is, you know, that that's that's fair game to go after a team like that. But just in the like in the interest of 
slowing a team down, slowing their cars down because they're just that much more dominant than everyone else. To me, that's kind of against the the, the DNA of not just Formula One, but that but motorsport in general. I mean, isn't the idea to design and build the fastest car and give it to the best driver, give it to the the, the fastest person you can to 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 win races? So to artificially reduce the, the the performance of those cars or like you say through tds and stuff like that it just it just does not sit well with me uh w- whatsoever i mean i'd love to see parody but not at the expense of penalizing a red bull or a mercedes or a ferrari well i mean unless it's ferrari and their supposed you know illegal you know fuel map that they had a couple of years ago allegedly um <laughs> you know I, I don't like things like that i mean it really is up to the to, to the other teams to catch up and close that gap but i guess in this day and age in the salary sorry salary cap uh, cost cap uh, world that is uh <laughs> that that's a bigger, bigger ask, a bigger task than it was in the past. You know, I'm getting, I'm getting so like worked up and talking about like things like caps and things like that. I, I you know, you start talking about like the big four, like MLB, NFL, NBA, etc., and talking about parody and drafts and things like that. The, the first automatic thing that came out of my mind or my mouth was salary cap because that's what we're always looking yeah, at. It's like, yeah, are there, you yeah. know, what, what are their cap numbers? Like, how much do they have? How much room do they have under the cap? I mean. Formula One, sure they got the cost cap, but we still don't really know what they're, you know, they're they're spending their money on. Unless you're Red Bull, you know, that they spent was it eight million on catering last year, <laughs> allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. exactly. So. Mr. Mr. Daly, before we, uh, and I know we're going to have to take a quick break, but maybe before we do, uh, a quick tweet that Colton Herta sent out a couple of days mm. ago, which is a little bit juicy oh, okay. and you might okay. like, um, responding to responding to a tweet from ESPN F1, and the ESPN F1 tweet said, Brad Pitt will be driving an actual F1 car alongside the rest of the grid at Silverstone as part of the new Formula One movie that's in production. Directors Jerry Bruckheimer and Joseph Koizinski will enter an 11th team to film on track for the rest of the season. So extremely juicy, very, very, very cool to hear. Colton Herter responds to that. Brad Pitt got a super license before me. <laughs> Tough period. <laughs> wow. Oh, I love oh. it. I love it. You know that I love Col- so, Colton you know, like throwing that one out there. That that's good stuff, man. I love it. So since then, um, because this created a massive ripple in sure, F1 Twitter sure. and F1 Reddit, it, it's been clarified that Brad Pitt will certainly not be driving a Formula One car, and he will certainly not be driving a car on track with other Formula One drivers, but will be driving presumably an F2 car that's mocked up to look like a Formula One car. Now, Will Buxton had a couple of juicy details as well. He tweeted, they've spent... Let me back this up a bit. He says, they've spent 18 months taking what they learned on Top Gear Maverick to develop the smallest movable 6K camera ever designed to take the viewer into the cockpit. Of course, the context here being that fantastic new Formula One movie that's being filmed in the vein of Driven, a cockpit in which their stars will actually drive. That's right. Brad Pitt driving an F1 car from Silverstone onwards. Of course, it's not going to be an F1 car. He continues, the car, the car, the, I, I guess this would be the star car, the celebrity car, the car that the movie's kind of based around. The car has been designed by Mercedes and is already testing. You may have seen a video online, as are their actors in Sim in real life. Lewis Hamilton in his daily communication and is advising on storyline and script to ensure that the movie is the most accurate racing film ever made. So if you're not excited about 58-year-old Brad Pitt starring as a Formula One driver, 
if you're not excited yet, you you will that, be. That's soon. pretty cool. But was Lewis not? Uh, was there not some talk about him like getting involved uh, with, with Top Gun, like the their Top Gun Maverick? Obviously not the original one because Lewis would probably not have even been born then, or would have been extremely underage that uh, wouldn't fit in nicely with the rest <laughs> of the cast, you know, with toddler Lewis. But anyways, I, I think there was like uh, some talk that because you know, I guess is he sort of like friends with Tom Cruise because Tom's kind of been kicking around the past for you know here and there for a couple of years right, right? and I, I just I'm just sort of trying to pull this out of the old memory banks here as we're, we're talking long so you know that's that's why you know I might not be a little bit accurate and by pull out of your memory banks you're doing the same thing I am which is googling Tom Hanks <laughs> plus Lewis Hamilton plus F1 movie plus Jerry Bruckheimer well actually it was Tom Cruise rather than Tom Hanks you know like I, I don't know that oh sorry Tom Cruise <laughs> can we take a break and reset I'm, I'm off I'm off the yeah, there, rails there you go okay so so on that note uh, you know, Hammy's uh, used his veto power to to, to stop this uh, show in its tracks before we get to, too far off topic. But yeah, no, just to, in general, I think it's really cool. And I love the fact that, you know, this is going to be like super accurate, super realistic. Love all the input uh, that, 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 that they're getting and can't wait to see what this one looks like. Anyways, in the interest of, uh, you know, the fact that we are on 20 minutes already, let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back on the flip side. We'll jump into the news and a lot of other things. So don't go away. We will be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back. We've hit reset. Hammy's got a beverage. We've been able to hopefully get uh, our minds a little bit uh, back in gear and uh, jump into the the news for the week. First couple of things uh, that uh, you had, uh, Mark, uh, right off of the top was uh, an F1 uh, cad- uh, Academy pardon me, update. So why don't we start there and then we will launch into some other fun stuff, including a launch date for the uh, 2023 official Formula One video game. We'll tell you about that. But Hammy, first, F1 Academy, let me know what's going on, please. 
Yeah, thanks for teeing me up. So I wish, again, I wish I'd been able to watch this live, but I do feel I do feel good knowing that F1 Twitter and F1 Reddit certainly let the the folks at Liberty know how they felt about the fact that F1 Academy is not being broadcast this year. And I also want to apologize for not having had this material ready for our show last Sunday because we probably could have done it then, but I also wanted to I wanted to present it in isolation of the F1 Grand Prix talk that that we were kind of going through last week so I thought it maybe made a little bit more sense to talk about it but if you don't know the the F1 Academy has completed its first full race weekend its race weekend took place in Austria on the Red Bull Ring which is of course one of our favorite tracks they raced three times so they had three different race results in the first race M. Garcia, Marta Garcia of Prima Racing, representing the country of Spain, finished first, which was very cool. In race number two, which was a reverse grid race, Omna Alcobesi, who is the sister of friend of the show, Hamda Alcobesi, she finished. Again, this was a shorter race, so the first race was 18 laps. The second race was 12 laps. Amna won the second race, which was very cool. Get a reverse grid race. And then in the third race, Marta won again in a 16 race challenge. And in the set, in the third race where, which Marta won, Hamda, again, friend of the show, she finished second. So if we look at the current standings in the, in the F1 Academy, Marta Garcia currently sits on top with 57. Amna Alcobesi is second with third and her sister, her younger sister, Hamda Alcobesi currently sits third with 28. Abby Pulling sits fourth with 26. And then of course, also friend of the show and Canadian, Megan Gilks is currently sitting ninth with 11 points. But there's a couple of other interesting news stories related to the F1 Academy that I thought was really interesting and I wanted to share. Um, Announced earlier this week is the news that Hello Sunshine, which is a TV production company, is working with Formula One to develop an F1 Academy docuseries. And the F1 Academy docuseries is going to capture the entire season and go deep with all five of the teams and all 15 of the drivers. So I'm super excited about this because like you, we've been able to build some personal relationships with some of the young ladies on the Mm -hmm. grid, some of these talented, talented drivers. And it's going to be amazing to see them get some exposure, um, get to see them in front of the camera, learn more about their personalities and all of the amazing things they have to do to prepare to get into one of these amazing open wheel racing cars. So that's coming soon. Reese Witherspoon is actually one of the executive producers on the series. It's not yet known, unfortunately. It's not yet known, unfortunately, when or where it's going to be broadcast or made available. And then the final, the final F1 Academy news story this week, and this one as the title on gpfans.com states is a little bit bleak, right? but yep. Susie Wolf, Susie Wolf believes that it will take almost a decade before a formula or before a female driver will join the Formula One grid. Now she gives a pretty detailed explanation for that timeline, that extended timeline, because I think if it's if it was up to you and me, we would have somebody on the grid tomorrow. But of course, we want somebody on the grid that's going to be able to compete and be competitive and have some sustained success. But 
says Susie Wolf, I believe it's eight to 10 years away from happening. That's not just because we are lacking the female talent pool and lacking those who progress through the sport, but also because of the realization that getting to F1 is incredibly tough. It's tough for all the male drivers. There are only 20 spots on the grid, and that's why it's going to take time. I do believe in eight to 10 years when we've had a continued growth of the talent pool and more females entering the sport, it will be much more realistic. She continues, a woman in F1 is not going to happen overnight. I need to manage expectations, but I think this foundation and everything we can achieve with the F1 Academy in the medium to long term can be the real driver for change in the sport. And that was what compelled me to say, count me in, she said, when she was asked to be involved. That in turn leads to the fundamental problem that there are not enough women entering the sport, which is a really interesting point. The talent pool is too small, so the best are not rising to the top. I very much have a vision that we need to get to the root of the problem. According to Wolf, and this is from gpfans.com, out of the 45,000 girls who go to indoor karting tracks a year, only 4.7% post a lap time or enter a race. So her argument here is the root cause, the root cause of the challenge of getting a woman to the F1 grid is that there simply aren't enough entering the sport and that things like F1 Academy are done to nurture um, and build a a platform uh, so that when there are more young girls entering the sport and and getting caught up in the excitement and and how amazing it can be to be a part of, um, there's going to be infrastructure to support them. But some sobering comments from from Susie Wolf, but I appreciate that she's also working to manage expectations. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a great takeaway from that, Mark. And it was a little bit discouraging to see that, but when you when you see the logic and the reasoning that Susie has when she's making those comments, it makes perfect sense. So, you know... I, I love how we call this like 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 a Formula One World Championship when it's not really completely representative in, in uh, you know as, as a World Championship in, totally in many agree. regards, totally agree. right? So I'm encouraged in one way and and discouraged in another, but kind of knowing okay, it's going to happen, but it's probably going to take a little bit longer than than anyone uh, would like to see. But that kind of leads back into the, the the comments you were talking about like the docu series and this is where i think that 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 motorsports is different i mean if you watch a, a hockey game a football game a baseball game whatever it is like so many other sports that when you see the athletes out on the field out on the court whatever it is you get a chance to it, it, of course it's in the middle of a game it's intense emotions are high there's a lot of adrenaline flowing but you get to see their like their their, their personalities a little bit right and you don't always you, obviously you don't see that in a race car because the drivers they're inside the cockpit they're underneath the halo they got the helmets on and everything and most of the time when we see them it's in these little you know 30 second interview clips and you know i can speak from experience when you put a microphone in front of somebody's face most of the times they change they become very corporate very business-like and it's funny as soon as you take like that microphone away i mean a lot of athletes and coaches and managers and personal they they loosen up you can kind of joke around with them and talk with them if if, if they have the time but they become very you know they become all business so i think that's why programs especially like drive to survive is is so good is because not only is the production like outstanding not only are the the, the pictures and the video and the audio outstanding as are the storylines but we get to see like the personalities of a lot of these different drivers and these team principals i mean 
I, I mean, three, four years ago, I mean, could you imagine that that Gunther Steiner would be like like this rock star that he's become purely because he's ha- had the chance that you know the 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 person that Gunther Steiner is has been able to stand out on Drive to Survive, and yes, he's a little bit crude, yes, he could be a little bit blunt, but at the same time, but he's authentic. He's, he's authentic. exactly, exactly. He's authentic, and that's why I think a lot of people really come to embrace Gunther Steiner is because we we see this real side of him and we we don't get to see that a lot of like the 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 drivers and other personalities in formula one so that's why i think it's you know taking what we've seen from drive to survive and and then doing this docuseries i think you know for the f1 academy i think this is a a great thing because we get to see the people behind the overalls behind the, the 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 helmets and get to you know hopefully get to to learn a little bit more about them because you know we don't get to see them like the reaction like you 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 know what's going to happen on the court when somebody nails a three-pointer with like you know a second left on the clock at the end of the fourth quarter you know in, in a tight game to to win that one everybody's going to go crazy but when you see somebody go out and, and nail a fastest lap it's just like you see a little purple stopwatch go up on the screen and you get like a little notification you don't hear lewis you know screaming about it or or max or whoever you know, and then when they get out of the cars, they're tired. They got all their stuff to do. So I, I think things like this, you know, to cut a long story short, are is, is cool. I I really like it. No, no, no. And and I just I I want to I want to kind of build on what you're saying because I totally get you that I think some of these sports like basketball and soccer are football. Sorry, let me correct myself <laughs> before we get flamed to oblivion on Twitter. Uh, football and basketball, especially like we. We know those people. We know those athletes because we see their personality on every play and every possession and every whistle. And the more I think about where F1 was prior to the Liberty takeover, I don't understand how anyone was watching it. Dude, I don't understand how you were doing a podcast because you think about the (laughs) pre-Liberty period. One, the racing was garbage. It was just Mercedes crushing the field at every turn. It was unwatchably bad. And I'm saying this as somebody that was cheering for Lewis through that period, but the the actual sport was terrible. Uh, Bernie had an iron grip on social media that these athletes were all but completely barred from engaging with social media. F1 had no social media. Their product wasn't available anywhere. They posted nothing on YouTube. Like we didn't know anything about the drivers, let alone the team principals. And I think we take for granted now the fact that all of the drivers are super fluent with social media and they're all super great at sharing and communicating and talking to their fans and the audience. And we also take for the granted the fact that every year we're going to get a new season of Drive to Survive, which is going to show us the stuff that we don't see in the season, which is honestly less and less because I think we get so much insight in real time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just do totally agree with you. And this is the reason I'm excited for this uh, production from Hello Sunshine, because I think it's going to be a really good view because at least in the F1 world, like we know them and we know them pretty well because of Drive to Survive and all these other mechanisms. I think the reason I'm excited about uh, a docuseries about the F1 Academy is we're starting from scratch that most people tuning in to watch that will know nothing about these young drivers. And I think we'll gain a real, real, real appreciation for the work that they've had to put in to get where they are. And I think we're also going to appreciate their quest because when we're watching doc drive to survive it's not about getting through the junior formula to get to f1 they're already there they're already at the peak now it's just about competing for the ultimate ship the ultimate crown but in the f1 academy series it's about 
fighting to get to that next level, to get to F3, to F2, to maybe get to F1. But very, very cool. And I'm super excited. Yeah, just on a side note, could you imagine back in the day when F1 led by Bernie Ecclestone doing a collaboration with Will I Am and Lil Wayne? Dude, he's spinning in his grave. Like he, the fact that that song came out and it's an F one sanctioned rap track. Like I know he's not dead, but he might as well be spinning in his grave because he would be that upset about it. Like yeah, yeah, you could never imagine that. Never imagine. But that. I, I mean, even before, like I, I mean, for how many years have all the other like major sports around the globe known that social media is is a thing? And the fact that as recently as several years ago that it was locked down and basically. Controlled by one person, and what was allowed to be broadcast on various social media channels was virtually nothing. Is 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 mind boggling that into the teens, you know, in the twenty first century, that that wasn't a thing. So, I mean, I, I know, like going back to the top of the show, that that you know, there obviously that there are some concerns about like parody and stuff like that. But I mean, still, I mean, in, in many respects, the sport has made a quantum leap in the last half, five, half dozen years or so, and will continue to do so. But let, let's move on to the next one. So uh, we have an announcement that the uh, 2023 official Formula One video game, so EA Sports F123, it's been unveiled. It uh, has several fan requested features. So this is going to drop on uh, June 16th. So in about uh, six weeks uh, from now, all the all the first looks, all the, the screen captures, all the little video clips, it looks fantastic so we're going to get the full 22 sorry 2023 schedule we're going to including including vegas 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 is going to be raceable and lucille so despite the fact that lucille was on the calendar in 2021 it was added so late they couldn't get it into the game so both so the other cool thing about this is that oftentimes they will add newer tracks post-launch all of the tracks are going to be in this game from the jump and a couple of other cool things for the first time since 2014 sorry i just like cut you off because i'm super excited about <laughs> it's the all new good game. but for the first time since 2014 they're going to have red flags so i'm very interested to see how that is going to be implemented all new handling all new physics and the other cool thing and I, i'm not a big storyline guy but in f1 2021 they had introduced a storyline called breaking point and you were basically um operating as a young driver named aiden jackson there they took it out of f1 2022 but they're putting in a much beefier version and reintroducing a lot of those characters so if you're interested oh, man, in devin butler through, is devin coming back i hate Devin's back yes I how hate, do you know how do you know about devin because i hate devin he's my nemesis bro like in some of the earlier versions like you know and and like the character is done so good that the way it's set up when you play like that that storyline that like the, can the I, can devin I, can I do butler Butler is just like completely unlikable. Yeah. So Devin Butler is back and so too is his sister. <gasps> and his sister is fighting for a Formula One seat. I think her name is Callie Mayer. Okay. Uh, she is fighting for a seat and I think the way the storyline works is she either gets your seat and you lose your seat or she takes her brother's seat and he loses his seat. So is, this is, is all based on the very- Is she worse than him? Because he's pretty detestable. <laughs> Devin is pretty detestable. So I'm kind of hoping that if he loses his seat, which would be awesome, 
awesome and his sister gets it would she be better or would she be worse so I, oh man i'm, I'm only time up. will tell i'm gonna have to yeah. my friend by the way i just I, I gotta say this because we have an audience but if i was to ever come across money i would gift you a 65 inch oled tv and a playstation 5 like i I love you that much, and I know how old your TV is. That would be my gift to you. If I came <laughs> across money, my friend, I would do that for you because you love video games, you love watching F1, and you deserve to watch you it know, the best the thing quality is, possible. Too, is like the like the nook that we have for the TV, it's like a little bit ridiculous. So we can only fit a certain size screen in there. So what we've talked Put about- Put it in the bedroom. Yes. Well, one Put thing it in we've the actually- The kids don't need to watch it. Well, they never leave, you know, because we got a couch in there and like they go watch the TV in there all the time it's become kind of like this hangout place where i regularly have to kick hordes of people out of my bedroom because i'm becoming like a cranky old man and i want to get some you know you need some beauty rest not that i need it but uh you know <laughs> did i just say that um anyways uh yes yeah, so th- this is on the record so i will expect my 65 inch oled uh, tv um you know Tomorrow ish, but uh, that that's uh, all good. <laughs> yeah, let me let me make some credit card payments to Scotia Bank yeah. before they start canceling my cards. <laughs> yeah, no but yeah, kidding, right? That that would be my goal. Like if if we if we came across money, if we got signed up by Yahoo or ESPN, that would be my and a mesh router. Yeah, you desperately need a rest mesh router. Yeah, I was but, telling uh, you about dude, some can- of the woes that we're having with uh, getting fiber optic into uh, into our complex here, despite it being like literally twenty feet from our house, where it goes by like. You know, when it was the, the infrastructure was, la- you know, laid down last summer. Anyways, I made like a bit of a blunder just now when I referred, for, referred to like not needing beauty sleep when obviously I need tons. But, you know, a huge blunder here. So GM General Motors has decided to ditch Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. And this has kicked off a huge backlash. Like, Hammy, what's going on with this? This makes no sense oh, to me. I love I love this story. So this isn't F1 centric, but every time we do a story about the automotive industry, and we we did one months ago when we talked about the fact that BMW was going to charge a monthly subscription right. fee to unlock the heated seats yeah, that yeah. you pay for in your car. And people love that story. But I saw this one and it made my head explode. And the the story is this, as you know, virtually every automotive manufacturer, save for Tesla, offers Android Auto and CarPlay in your car. So you get in the car, you plug in your Samsung Galaxy, you plug in your iPhone, and you get all your apps up on the screen. You get Apple Music, you get Spotify, you get your contacts, you get your maps. Everything's instantly there. It's awesome. Really cool experience. And the first time I experienced CarPlay was in 2016 in a rental car in the UK. And I told my wife then, I will never own a car again if it doesn't have have CarPlay. Like I don't care what it is. I cannot have a car that doesn't have CarPlay. Well, a couple of weeks ago, GM made the... Ill, ill-advised announcement that they were going to completely eliminate CarPlay from all of their vehicles going forward, starting with their 2024 models. And their intention was that they were going to develop in-house with the support of Google, their own experience. So Android Auto is out, CarPlay is out. So GM now joins the ranks of Tesla as a major automotive manufacturer that will be offering neither. The internet went berserk went absolutely berserk and they did so for a couple of reasons one is that people genuinely love those features and people and i've seen statistics that said one of the number one features that new car shoppers look for when buying a car is 
CarPlay and Android Auto. And if it's not there, they won't buy it. So every automotive manufacturer has been rolling it out. Now GM's taking it away. Now, the reason it's suspected that GM's taking it away is because they intend to monetize their own infotainment system going forward. So by taking CarPlay out, taking Android Auto out, having their own infotainment system, they are going to be, and again, this is just speculation, but they will be locking down all of the features. So for instance, if you want to use their map software in your new car on your new infotainment system, you have to pay a monthly subscription. And if you want to use the Spotify app, well, you need to pay $25 to unlock that app. They want complete control over it because presumably they want to be able to monetize it. And if people are just driving CarPlay or Android Auto straight to their big screen and their dashboard, they lose complete control. So People are very, very, very upset. And some people are calling it GM's new Coke move. Of course, the <laughs> move by Coke in the 80s to introduce a, a ill-conceived new flavor of Coke. But people are really, really upset about this. And I don't know if if you have introduced Android Auto or CarPlay into your life, but once you have it, there, there's no there's, going back. There's no, there's no going, going back. back. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like once uh, it, it, it's absent, it leaves such a gaping hole in your driving experience. It's just like- it does. Yeah. That's yeah. a perfect way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I don't know that that new Coke uh, comparison is uh, is really, really. Uh I think it's a really and a good quick one. a quick quote quote here. So Ford CEO Jim Farley uh, was uh, asked specifically about their intention about keeping or getting rid of CarPlay themselves. Jim Farley, Ford CEO, said seventy percent of our Ford customers in the U.S. are Apple customers. Wow! Why would I go to an Apple customer and say good luck? Wow! So Ford has no intentions of taking that feature out because, to his point, seventy percent of the people that are buying Fords have an Apple iPhone. Why would we not create an experience that that accommodates their their mobile phone? Hmm. So so Ford Ford is definitely dialed in on this one. Yeah, I mean that just goes to show that they they've got a little bit more awareness about what the, what their customer base wants and uh, you know expects to see in one of their vehicles. So that that is a uh, fascinating. Okay, let's uh, oh actually let's uh, this is a good place for another break where we're going to jump back and uh, get into more Formula 1 news. We'll do that in a in a second and we'll go back to uh, Red Bull because they always get a lot of real estate on the show for for some reason intentionally or otherwise. Uh, we'll do that in just a moment. So please don't go. We will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
All right. Welcome back to the program. So uh, the big news of the week is that, uh, and this comes from uh, Red Bull and uh, from Helmut Marko, who has confirmed that Adrian Newey has signed a new contract with the Red Bull. Adrian Newey is, uh, well, I mean, he's been with the team now for almost uh, two decades. Uh, he joined them way back in 2005. And uh, Nui, well, he, at the time he left uh, McLaren, which was earth shattering. So he's uh, led the design of all their title winning cars up to this uh, point in history. And uh, you know, with, with Adrian leading that uh, design department, they have a total of 11 drivers and constructors championships and uh, that includes the double last year and setting records across the board with the 2022 RB18. So he had uh, entered into the final year of his current deal in 2023. Red Bull decided to to really get on top of this and they acted quickly to get him locked down uh, before the or beyond the end of the uh, season and uh, this is uh, well I mean this is nothing but good news if you're a former Formula One, or sorry, a Red Bull fan. Uh, maybe not so much if you're a Formula One fan in general, if uh, <laughs> they could continue to dominate. But I mean, if, if Adrian is still around and he has no intentions of uh, retiring, I mean, he literally has like a blank check. He could go up and say to Red Bull, you know, ask for almost anything that he wants. I mean, that that record of 11 chips plus all the records that they've uh, broken and especially how they dominated last year and especially the way that it looks like they're they're set to dominate again this year. I mean, he, he's justified in doing so and why would they not you know, give the guy the money that he's asking for? What, what else is there to say about Adrian Newey? And he probably doesn't, he doesn't get a, enough respect for the work that he does on that team because Christian Horner and Helmut Mark or Max Verstappen and Jos Verstappen, all those other characters within the Red Bull family get so much press and so much screen time, but, but he's amazing. Sorry, just and, to, and I'll be, to jump in, please, but please. That, that's a great point. But when you look on a race weekend, he's always there. The camera will pan true, around. I mean, like, like Adrian is always there, but like you say, he doesn't get the love and the attention that the rest do but I, i'm jumping in please continue no 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 no. i think that that's totally fair the only comment that i really have about this one is the only reason quite frankly that red bull when you consider his responsibilities within that organization he did a phenomenal job with that car from 2014 to 2020 right like this was a car that was still winning races in the Mercedes, the peak era of Mercedes domination with an underpowered Renault power unit that they, they frankly wanted no part of that if they had during that era. And again, what ifs 2020 hindsight, et cetera, et cetera. If they had a power unit that was even 90% of what was in the Mercedes, my gosh, that period of Mercedes domination would have been very, very, very different because the car aside from the car, aside from the power unit was, was fantastic. Fantastic. It just, the car's never going to get the respect because it didn't have the power unit that the Mercedes had. So, yeah, Adrian Newey, amazing 17 years with that organization. Hopefully, he'll be there for the rest of his career. If you haven't read the Adrian Newey book, which we're going to be covering on an upcoming episode of Book Club, make sure you check it out because it's also a fantastic read. Yeah, absolutely. And that that, that really is incredible, eh? That, that just the record that he has. And like like I think we both just mentioned, he certainly doesn't get the recognition and the uh, the, the, the respect 
respect that he gets or that, that he's uh, deserving uh, of. Okay, so the next one, Mark, this is uh, one I'm sure that uh, you're going to be all over here, but uh, apparently Alpine has uh, sealed a deal which is worth $212 million with an American uh, company that will help Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon. So this is uh, an article that comes uh, from the sportrush.com and uh, this is from a writer by the name of Somin Badarcharji. I hope that uh, I pronounced that uh, somewhat uh, correctly. Anyways, can you uh, elaborate on this one? Because yeah, this, I was, I, I, I was actually reluctant to add this story, other than the fact that I thought it was really juicy. So to back this up, a couple of days ago, somebody had posted on Reddit a screenshot of some notes from a reporter at Baku. And the note seemed to imply that Alpine had sold 25%, sorry, Renault had sold a 25% stake in the Alpine Formula One team to an American company called Auto Nation, who of course is involved with Indy. And that that 25% stake went for $212 million, which would make the overall valuation of the Alpine Formula One team about $850 million. Which so is we talk ballparkish about, of what we've been thinking that a Formula One exactly, team should be worth in 2023. Exactly. Yeah. Now, nobody's corroborated this, and and there hasn't been a a formal release. What we do know is that AutoNation and Alpine did announce over the last couple of days a strategic partnership, and that the two of them are going to be working together on commercial opportunities effective this weekend. So uh, AutoNation is now a Alpine sponsor, uh, especially to drive business on the the North American side of the, the ocean. But if this story is true, and it puts the valuation of the Alpine Formula One team at almost a, a billion dollars. It kind of speaks to some of the stories that we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes with the new teams. Uh, but it also just speaks to the growth in the last three years, right? Like Williams went for $200 million. They went for a song. They went for a song in 2020. And back in 2016, you literally could have bought a Formula One team for a dollar. Like you literally could have bought a team. There were teams going into administration that couldn't find anybody to buy them and it would have been a free ticket onto the formula one grid and you know here we are 2023 and it looks like the average valuation of a formula one team is 800 million dollars and you know dude you and i were talking about this in 2021 and i suggested at the time that you know what i can i can clearly see a future in which a formula one team is worth a billion dollars and people people hated that comment never 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 well i mean we're there like that that's where we are right now is that a formula 1 team is going to be worth a billion dollars and that's just how it is there's 10 of them there's immense scarcity it's not like it's not like an NFL team there's 32 NFL teams and they're worth 4 to 6 billion dollars each the Washington Commanders just went for 6 billion dollars in the formula 1 world it's a different sport you don't have a stadium you don't get gate revenue for home dates but there's only 10 of them like it's absurd to think that the teams couldn't be worth a billion or more. You know, it's it's funny when you bring up the sale of uh, Williams to Derilton Capital for two hundred million. That almost seems absurdly such an absurd small amount of money now. But it's funny when you say that we talked about this not even two years ago, that uh, an F1 team would be worth upwards of a billion dollars, that it seems like we got there pretty quick. I mean, when those 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 reports of Andretti were you know looking to buy Sauber in the summer of 2021, which we're almost on that two-year anniversary right now, the fact that they were talking about, what, what $300 million at the time to go for, from there to like a 
almost a billion and that uh, that amount of time is escalated uh, you know very 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 uh, quickly and you know like and and rightly so i mean uh, they've been proven that these uh, the, these teams are a lot more and you can kind of see why they they, they, they held on, but 200 million almost seems a little bit laughable at the moment. Okay, uh, next story comes from uh, Jamie Woodhouse over at uh, planetf1.com. So there's um, you know more stories uh, floating around uh, this week of a potential new entrance into Formula One. I'm not too familiar with this one, so I, I hope I pronounce it uh, correctly. Is it Lucky Sons? So the, it, is. it is. It Lucky is Lucky Sons. Okay, okay. exactly. So, so let's talk a little bit more about uh, Lucky Sons. So this could be potentially an asian based uh, team if it uh, if the bid uh, goes through so apparently they've secured uh, backing from uh, us sports fund uh, legends advocate sports group and from other asian investors they are or they're planning to submit a, 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 an entry before the fi's uh, deadline for new applications which they opened up uh, what was that at february march issues of this year it's been it's been a couple of months so this is a project that was co-founded by uh, Benjamin Durand, who was previously involved with another attempt to uh, get a team into Formula One, um, so his uh, so he was behind the Panthera Team Asia project that was a w- announced way back in 2019. Uh, one of the other co-founders is uh, Andrew uh, Pyra, who's uh, been named as its uh, CCO, and Paul Fleming, who's the chairman. So uh, Lucky Sons, uh, it's a combination of um, you know a couple of words off Lucky and Sons. So Lucky, uh, which they call a nod to the Asian heritage of the team and Suns representing the Sun intends to operate from an undisclosed uh, location in Europe. They didn't say undisclosed. I threw it in there because it sounds cool. Anyways, they intend to construct a state-of-the-art net-zero green energy-powered factory complex in the southeast of Asia, and the team aims to be on the grid for the 2025-2026 season. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> you know, I, I can see maybe like some team like uh, you know, like nailing down another spot on the grid, but I mean, we're almost like six months into 2023. I mean, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago that we we hit New Year's, but we're almost halfway through this thing already. And we have uh, these, uh, you know, the good folks over here at Lucky Sun say they want to get on the grid for 25 or 26. That seems extremely optimistic. I mean, you know, compare that to all the talk that we've heard from from Audi over the past weeks and months and and years to get their their program up and running and just, and, and they've got like, they've bought into it existing team and they're going to struggle to get this thing on the track for 25 or 26 they got a ton of work to do so to have like a team that is essentially a a formula one startup say that yeah we're going to be on the on the track in 2025 and 2026 i don't see it happening because they would just i mean they have to be so disadvantaged i i can't imagine that the other 20 teams even the the back markers that we have now that would be you know excited about the prospect of having a team that is you know severely you know behind everyone else but maybe i'm just being overly uh you know critical uh, at no, what their no, performance I think could be. i think you're being i think you're being realistic and i think the reality is in f1 teams just typically poach from each other so it's just this churn of a lot of the same people but when you're talking about a new team you might be able to poach some of the people from other organizations, but the reality is you're going to have to onboard, recruit, and train a lot of people, and that's going to be a challenge. So I guess to summarize this, because now we know there's going to be a team that's applying called Lucky Sons. We have um, Panthera, we have High Tech, 
We have Andretti Cadillac. We have Formula Equal. So that's that's five teams that we know about. I also put an article, and I'm not going to go into this one because I don't think this is a realistic bid, but there's an Australian billionaire that's setting up or proposing to set up a Formula One team in New Zealand. Um, interestingly, by the way, he says the $200 million um, anti-dilution fee would be negotiable, which is absurd. Mm-hmm. But there's that team that may or may not um, submit an entry. But the race.com published a really good article a couple of days ago from Scott Mitchell Malm. And it said, what's going on with the extended deadline new F1 team search? And the kind of genesis for this article is the fact that the deadline to submit your expression of interest was April 30th. We've we've now gone past April 30th, and it looks like the FIA is going to keep that window open a little bit longer. And typically, typically they would do so if they suspect or they have knowledge of a candidate that is still working on assembling their bid or their investors or the logistics or the infrastructure behind it. But I think based on the list I just provided, I think there's probably at least five teams that have submitted um, an expression of interest. Now, as you and I have talked about before, the FIA has some purview over making recommendations about whether to or whether to not accept a team. And again, they could accept up to two teams. Um, They could be entered onto the grid for 25, 26, or 27. But ultimately, Formula One, not the teams, but because Formula One operates really on behalf of the teams in a lot of senses, ultimately, Formula One will be the one that gives a final stamp of approval. But hopefully, at some point later this summer, we'll, we'll hear some more news. And I have every reason to think that Formula One will stamp out any new bids at this point, unless that new bid is willing to talk about an amended anti-dilution fee of course, that's that expansion fee, the $200 million you and I have been talking about for months. And I have every reason to think that the teams and Formula One will come together and amend that to be a figure more like $800 million. Mm-hmm. And then I think the teams will probably be very happy to invite Andretti Cadillac to, to the grid. And talking of Andretti Cadillac, I'm going to jump ahead because I'm super excited about this story. Uh, there's news out of the GM, the General Motors camp, that GM might after all, be invested in building a power unit for their Formula One, their proposed Formula One collaboration with Andretti. And if you recall, um, earlier this year, Andretti had announced that they were going to partner with General Motors with their Cadillac brand to bring a Formula One team to the grid. And I think the Andretti group thought, hey, this is really cool. We're bringing a new manufacturer. We're bringing a new OEM to the grid. That's what the FIA, that's what Formula One always wants. Now, a lot of people kind of looked at this with a with a crooked eye. Is that the expression? A cock eye? A crooked eye? A I, wink eye? Sure. Winky eye? I'm not know. sure about a winky eye. A winky eye. eye. I don't know. They <laughs> looked at it with skepticism because the reality is that while GM would be a part of the team, they wouldn't be the one supplying the power unit. And ultimately, Renault would be the one supplying the power unit, and they would just rebadge it with a GM badge. Well, now we're hearing that GM might actually, after all, be much more invested in developing a power unit long-term for the Andretti team than I think we'd learned before. Speaking exclusively to Autosport, Eric Warren, the GM Motorsport Executive Director, said, GM is motivated to be involved in the car and design the whole process. It's not white labeling an engine, a comment possibly aimed at Ford. The interaction between Cadillac and Andretti will be throughout the vehicle. 
and he continues here. We could, of course, when asked if GM would construct its own engine, we can't by rule because the 2026 power unit manufacturers have been declared. So we would be looking at the earliest in 27. He added, it is something we are looking at. We are looking at power units. Andretti has a power unit partner with which we can get racing quickly. So what he's effectively saying here is that the only reason they would partner with Renault is because GM needs more time to become as an official engine supply or, en- or power unit supplier, get on board with the regulations, get signed up so that they would use a Renault power unit for maybe one, maybe two years, um, after which they would switch to using a GM supplied and developed power unit. Now, this is a really interesting article. Matt Q wrote it for Autosport. Um, I think I'll probably tweak this or tweak, tweet this one out because I think there's some interesting stuff in here. He talks as well about how thorough their, their engine development program would be and the technical nature of it, et cetera. But I think this is exciting because I really, really ran on the Andretti parade when they announced they were bringing Cadillac in, but that Cadillac wouldn't be developing the power unit. I think my point is, what is the point? Why bring an OEM if you're just going to rebadge a Renault power unit? So this is a, a very exciting development on the Andretti Cadillac front. Yeah, absolutely. The, it is very, very interesting to see that all this chatter because like, not only do you have like the Cadillac Andretti talk, then we had like the Lucky Sons, but that's not even the the, the end of it. We also have uh, news this week, and this comes uh, from from the Southern he- Hemisphere, pardon me, that, uh, that uh, what was it, uh, Roden Carlin F1. This is going to be a, a new bid uh, backed by a computer magnet by the name of David Dicker, and they're uh, based in North Canterbury, Wallow in, uh, in, uh, in uh, New Zealand. So apologies if I pronounced any of that uh, wrong. But, uh, you know, his, uh, his country, uh, company, which is called uh, Dicker Data, they uh, take over uh, about $3 billion uh, per year. And they're looking at uh, perhaps uh, setting up a, a team that would be based in uh, New Zealand, which, you know, is an interesting choice because, you know, we always talk about like, you know, Power Alley, right? That all this, uh, you know, the, the the fact that most of the Formula One teams are based in and around Silverstone in the UK, that uh, that uh, some of the teams like um, Alpha Tauri based in uh, Italy, for example, seem to be uh, disadvantaged, uh, whatnot, uh, because they seem to be completely uh, off the grid. So interesting to see all these different names have been thrown about and you know i don't know like what sort of deadline they've decided on the formula one the faa etc on when it comes to announcing like a new addition to the grid personally i'm okay with letting it drag out a little bit longer rather than maybe rushing through the process because whoever i agree what's the hurry what's the hurry there's no hurry whatsoever keep the expression of interest open for two years like there, there should be no rush at all yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the longer that they can keep this thing open and and they do their due diligence and make sure that whoever comes in, be it one or two entrants, whatever they decide, that they are the strongest. That so whatever they bring will be uh, nothing but uh, but the best and will be more of, of a uh, you know addition to Formula One rather than subtraction. Right, so that they're not going to be a drain and a burden on the sport. Okay, uh, let's uh, take a, a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk. Uh, well, we'll get into the uh, into the preview for the race on Sunday. A couple of other uh, uh, pieces of news that we want to talk about as well. We'll do that in a moment. So don't go away. We will be right back. All right. Welcome back. So a couple of things here before we Daily. get 
Daily, oh, before we go on, you got something let me read first. a tweet. Okay, go for I it. I do, I do. So it just it just occurred to me. Um, if you if you folks don't know, if you add us on Twitter, I always make best effort to follow everybody back and try to have a conversation, even if it's just like, hey, thanks for the follow. Uh, one of our listeners followed us the other day named Ricky. And I said, Hey, thanks for the follow. And he said, I know it's automated, but I've been listening to you guys religiously for the past couple of F1 seasons. The only F1 podcast I listen to. Thank you for all the free content. Cheers. To which I responded, awesome. this isn't automated. It's Hamilton. And I like seriously appreciate <laughs> the kind words. And he says, ha ha ha, no way. That's incredible. I need to get in on the fantasy contest next time. I loved it too. Buying another one soon. On to the Kia Stinger for now. So I, I made a comment about him having a, a Dodge Neon SRT4. Um, he's like, that's incredible. I need to get on the fantasy contest. I loved it too. Buying another one soon. On to the Kia Stinger for now. Um, and he also said, sending this chat to my wife. She's going to be so excited, lol. That's I just awesome. have to say that doing the show and then having a conversation like that, that somebody could get so excited about talking to little old us yeah. makes me, makes me so happy, but awesome. it cheered me up immensely. So Ricky, thank you so much for all the support. Thanks for adding us on Twitter. And, and here's to many more years of us uh, producing content that you enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love hearing, you know, when we get messages like that, that is uh, absolutely fantastic. All right, let's uh, jump into, uh, or get back to the news. We just want to kind of, maybe we'll save some of these other ones for a, a, a different time. One that I do think uh, bears mentioning is that uh, Toto Wolf is going to the Harvard Business School, and uh, he's going to be a, a guest lecturer there. That uh, is kind of cool. I mean, I, I wonder how much he'll be appreciated at Harvard Business School, but I, I could imagine that, uh, you know, I, I'd love that. I'd love the opportunity to go and sit in on a, a lecture by, uh, by, by, by Toto. I might enjoy more of one by Gunther. It might be a little bit more of comedy value, but certainly I think you'll get a lot of value out of what uh, Toto has to say. Um, now, this one I just want to touch on uh, uh, quickly um, because, first of all, we, we know that you're not perpetrating. We talked about this a couple <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. So this is, uh, you know, this leads it nicely to the fact that Formula One and Puma have signed a merch deal. And I saw that, or licensing the deal anyways. And uh, I saw your tweet that you threw it on the official show Twitter uh, today where your, your, your reaction was not meh but not too much more than meh it was kind of like okay this is kind of cool but not really the same reaction i would have gotten had they announced a deal with nike for example if if it was nike or lululemon i would be cheering from my, the rooftop so <laughs> i'm a little bit disappointed because i don't i don't think of puma necessarily on on the same wavelength in terms of quality and and brand equity as you do like a Nike or Adidas. And of course, Adidas is dealing with the fallout of the whole Kanye divorce. They don't have the capital for something like this, but like a Nike. So I, I as I sobered up thinking about it throughout the day, I came to realize it could be much worse. It could have been fanatics. And if you if you follow any North American professional sports, Fanatics has destroyed destroyed the ex entire fan experience of buying quality team branded merchandise. So it could be much much worse. Knock on wood that I hope that there's nobody from Liberty listening saying, "Hey, maybe we can partner with Fanatics." But I'll be curious to see the quality of the product. So I think they're going to start kicking off the the initial line next year. Now I don't know if this applies to the individual teams because typically the individual teams have been free, like like European football teams, they've been free to broker their own um athletic deals athletic wear deals mm -hmm. of course in north america um the leagues do it on behalf of the team so in major league baseball it's nike the nfl it's nike 
the NHL is Adidas and the NBA it's Nike. Um, but in European soccer, like it could be Umbro, it could be Nike, it could be Adidas, it could be Reebok, it could be, who be whoever. So I don't know if this deal yet applies to the individual teams or whether it applies strictly to F1 centric merchandise, but I guess we'll, we'll have to learn. But again, it could have been worse. It could have been worse than Puma. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, I guess who's not getting a call from Puma this uh, week? I'm uh, well, maybe you know, you wouldn't be too shattered about that. But uh, yeah, anyways, the Skidary F1 podcast brought to you by Puma is dead. <laughs> dead. <laughs> oh well, now now my wife will be disappointed because now we're not getting any free merch. So you know, be it from from wherever. So, anyways, uh, let's get back to some of the racing news. So apparently, Fernando Alonso is keeping his options open to race with Aston Martin in 2025 and uh, basically wants to uh, stand around or stick around for a while longer mentor Lance Stroll which he sees could be the leader of this team for 10 to 15 years which is uh, an incredible amount of time if uh, you know Lance could actually uh, pull that off um, let's talk now about the next one so Fred Vasseur who's a team principal over to Ferrari has uh, been uh, talking about some of the the upgrades that uh, that his team need to bring to the grid and we're going to see some of the updates to the 2023 car start rolling out in miami as they they try to you know close the gap between themselves and and red bull and and mark i know that uh, we got we, we saw some more positive stuff from ferrari this past weekend but yeah, sure. They got pace over the course of a sim single lap, and that uh, that that you know that really long straightaway and some of the really long fast sections in Baku, I think, are you know lend themselves nicely to Ferrari, which we know has a pretty good uh, top end speed compared to the Aston Martin, which is still pretty draggy, and that's why we saw. Fernando struggling to to really even get within DR not just to get within DRS range but even to get close enough to try and challenge Charles for that uh, you know for that uh, that P3 but you know it's uh you know the, the fact that this is Fred's first season with Ferrari Mark I, I don't really expect to see other anything than other than really fancy band-aids basically going on this car until he really is able to put his own impression on the program at Marinello, right? I love right? the way you said that. Yeah. You're, you're right. This is this is a Bonato car. He inherited a Bonato car with all of the problems inherent within it. And the reality is the first, the first Frederick Vasseur car will not exist until preseason testing next February, next March, right? Like, the reality is you need to give him a year because he has to unwind all of the engineering development that has happened by his predecessor. So I think that comment you make about, hey, look, he wants to be competitive and it's not a terrible car, but everything he's going to be focusing on this year is band-aids that they can't undo two years of engineering that went into this car. But trust me, all of his energy or the majority of his energy should be on getting the 2024 car ready because that would be a clean slate for him that he and his team would be able to work through from the ground up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, they, they have to do something. I mean, if they can learn you know, something out of this car, then maybe they can apply it to, to the new one uh, moving forward. So Mark, what do you want to do now? Do you want to do MotoGP corner? Do you want to It'll talk? It'll take 30 seconds. Okay, It'll be let's super do that. quick. Okay. So MotoGP, put in the jingle. Okay, MotoGP corner. MotoGP, Dorna. 
the commercial rights group for MotoGP has canceled the race that nobody wanted. So joining the calendar this year, a couple of new races, the India GP and the Kazakhstan GP. The Kazakhstan GP has been canceled and F1 fans are thrilled, as are the riders and the team. So the Terman Hilk, Herman Tilk designed course is actually based about an hour and a half away from the city's second largest city, almost a hundred kilometers away, meaning that drivers or riders and team personnel, because there is absolutely no hospitality complexes in the vicinity of the track, they would have had to commute back and forth every day between an hour and an hour and a half. No hospitality, no entertainment, nothing near or surrounding the track at all. So the race has been canceled. Now, the the race organizers um, are obviously not particularly happy about this, but it's being said that the primary reasons for the race cancellation, at least by Dorna, are for a couple of things. One is that they're having ongoing homologation work. Ugh, I cannot say that word. I'm going to try that again. Ongoing homologation works at the circuit paired, and this is a quote, paired with current global operational challenges, meaning that this was a mistake and they shouldn't have signed up here to begin with. So for the fans of MotoGP, I know the season's pretty intense because we're getting a sprint race every single weekend. We get an extra weekend off. The Kazakhstan GP is done. You know, but, but, but it was kind of funny because I'm uh, reading this in the background as well, but it says that, that the, so the Kazakhstan Grand Prix, uh, it has, it's been replaced. It's, um, they're saying it might come back for next year? I think that's what you say, right? Yeah. So I, I think like you've signed a contract with them. Yeah. You realize it's a mistake. You cancel this one and then you quietly just let it kind of go away. Like, oh, next year's canceled. And the year after that's canceled. And then you just start talking about it. That I think collectively they realize that this probably wasn't the appropriate place to put a race, that the area around it is underdeveloped, underserved, doesn't feature the hospitality. I think they were going to struggle to draw. Um, I think, yeah, it's, I think it's the nice way of saying that, Hey, you know what? It's not going to work out. It's not you. It's not you, Kazakhstan. It's us, Dorna. Mm, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll see what, uh, what, what comes of that, but let's uh, jump in now to the, um, into the Miami Grand Prix. So I'm looking at the notes here. So let's just go over some of the stats uh, from the racetrack itself. We've only been there once, obviously, and that was last year in 2021. This is a track that is... Actually, I don't have the Miami International Autodrome stats 5.4 up. 5.4 kilometers. There we go. I've got that now. So 5.4 kilometers, 3.36 miles. There are 19 turns. Uh, the race lap record was set by Max Verstappen last year. It was 131.316. He's the winningest driver driver in Miami Grand Prix <laughs> like history That's as our real Red Bulls they've just you know dominated this uh, this race Great since analysis. its inception and we accept or we expect that they will do the same thing <laughs> this year but you know jokey aside uh, the the one story that really made news last year was just how brutal this track was on the tires and it really chewed them up so they did uh, resurface the track over the off season will this uh, make it uh, you know a kinder surface for the cars to race on or we're going to see such massive tire deg that we did in 2021 that remains to be seen but I, I mean i thought that in general i thought that around the hard rock stadium which is 
basically like a temporary street circuit, but not really. I thought that they did an exceptionally good job to give this a feel of a full-time purpose-built Formula One track, despite you know the, some of the obvious challenges that we had with the tire dead dead last year. But Mark, what do you think? Are, are you looking forward to this one? I mean, I'm looking forward to just from the selfish point of view that we will be able to watch a live Grand Prix in our own time zone, which is always a bonus when it comes to races in the USA, in Canada, in Mexico, in South America, even some of the uh, the, the races like uh, in in the the, the the further reaches of the Eastern Hemisphere, in Australia, for example, some of the Asian races we can watch, albeit uh, fairly late at night. But love the fact that this is going to be on a Sunday afternoon. Don't have to to get up super late or, or get up super early or stay up super late to watch this one. But uh, your thoughts? Are you looking yeah, forward I'm, to going back? I'm excited. I'm yeah? excited. Yeah? Okay. I, I'm happy to go back. And again, I, I think sometimes I come across a little bit negative when it comes to talking about the Miami Grand Prix. Like I want, I want, I want this this race and I want this event to be successful. And I think it's going to be much more challenging for them because I think the Austin Grand Prix has taken on a life of its own has become an absolute monster. And I think now they're going to be competing for sponsors and for ticket buyers with Las Vegas, which will ultimately become, I think the crown jewel forget Monaco. I think Vegas is probably going to become the crown jewel on the formula one calendar. But I still think that the Miami Grand Prix can carve out a really unique uh, vibe and, and kind of um, corner of of the calendar, so I want it to be successful, and I also can't come and and hate on the track because, like you said, it's basically carved out of a parking lot in a sense. Because I swoon over and I love Jetta so much, like I legitimately do, that mm-hmm. I can't come and criticize a track that, in so many ways, shares a lot of the same DNA in the sense that it's a, it a has temporary a very track, similar look, like not just yeah. in the way that the track is set up, it's but the, the fencing, the layout, and everything, and the spacing. Too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I. I, I want it to be better, and I think you made a really great point that they've resurfaced it. The other big thing, too, and we heard this from so many of our listeners that were in attendance last year, that the fan experience last year was absolutely terrible. The lack of shade, the lack of hydration, the lack of water, the lack of food, the the sheer cost. And I think I think the, the race organizers have been really responsive to that feedback. And based on what I'm hearing from people that are at the track this weekend, they've made monumental improvements to the fan experience. So for those people that have paid up um, to to go either by buying weeks or months ago, or they managed to get their hands on some really heavily discounted tickets in the last couple of days. I, I hope they have a really great experience. I, I like the track. I think there's a really complex technical chicane. I think it's T14, T15 that I, I wish they would take out. I don't know what it adds in terms of value to the circuit. I think it might be a little bit complex because it's into that, that, that complex that is kind of racing under the overpass, but I'm fine with the track. I'm fine with the event. I don't want to pass too much judgment given that we've only been there once and it was a high dig circuit um, because of the, the track surface. But I also have every reason to think when I, when I look at the, when I look at the, the actual composition and the makeup of the track in terms of the individual complexes and in terms of the individual individual zones. Like I have every reason to think that Red Bull is going to be a dominating force this weekend. So I, I'm happy to have Miami on the calendar. I want it to be successful. I, I want them to continue to adapt and and kind of adjust to the feedback. And I use Jeddah as a, a benchmark for what good looks like in terms of uh, being receptive to 
fan feedback and being receptive more importantly to to driver feedback in terms of adjusting the track to make it safer most importantly but also to make it more conducive to to great racing now i just pulled up and I, i'm excited to share this because i promised to do this at every race this year but as part of this i wanted to introduce some of the changes that we're going to see this weekend so as we know teams roll out upgrades to their car cost cap allowing throughout the course of the season. So I have the list. So Mark Hughes on the race.com has published the changes that we can expect to see this weekend. So Mercedes is actually going to be bringing out a not insignificant list of, of changes this weekend. They're going to be bringing out an entirely new wing and a new beam wing. Red Bull, no updates reported or expected, which is probably to be to be expected. Ferrari, the Scuderia has a lower downforce rear wing specifically for this track. There's also believed to be a revised ERSK on Charles Leclerc's power unit. McLaren, they have an, a strength, and of course I'm quoting here from Mark Hughes, they're introducing a strength in front suspension for reliability reasons and an additional floor stay for increased resistance to porpoising. Alpine, the rear brake duct has been extended for aerodynamic effect with an extended end plate and a greater angle of ramp to inf- uh, enhance downforce. Alpha Tauri, despite all of their initial Early season struggles, have no upgrades. Aston Martin, no upgrades. Williams, a greater number of cooling louvers on the upper surface of the side pods to cope with the high Miami temperature. So that's track specific and maybe not something we'll see anywhere else. Alfa Romeo, like Williams, Alfa Romeo has increased the area of the cooling louvers atop the side pods. Haas, a trimmed version of the existing rear wing. So not a ton of upgrades, but a not insignificant upgrade from Mercedes. And it'll be interesting to see what that does to their, their top end speed on this track. But again, teams keep teasing us that come Imola, come Imola, come Imola. We should see an avalanche of of upgrades but definitely a couple and it's good to see that mercedes is kind of leading from the front in terms of getting some pretty big changes onto their car for this race yeah but the the imola timeline doesn't uh, to me seem to be really out of sync with previous years because no it always seems like it's it's you you get those first three four five six races of the new season under your belt and then it seems it's like the first return to the the european portion of the calendar typically in Spain or Monaco, that sort of time of the year is when you see like the like the first major upgrades go onto the car. So that seems like the the, the timing seems about uh, perfect uh, for, for for that. And of course, everybody's going to be looking at all the other teams uh, compared to, to to Red Bull. I mean, Red Bull. It's like how, how do you improve on perfect that we've seen through the first uh, four races of the season? So there's a lot of work for the other nine teams on the grid to to do to catch up to them. Of course, everybody will be looking at Mercedes. They'll all be looking at uh, Ferrari, looking at Aston Martin, who have been a very pleasant surprise in uh, the, the start of the 2023 season. I was just looking at the weather forecast for Saturday, Sunday afternoon. Pardon me. Looks like uh, about the time uh, we get to, to green on Sunday, we're going to be looking at a uh, temperature of about 26 degrees Celsius. That's about 80 degrees Fahrenheit. Interestingly, we're looking at a chance of showers in the 35 to 40 percent um, you know, probability. Um, that's what what they're, they're they're predicting so it's not as a slam dunk yeah we're having rain for sure during the grand prix but 30 to 40 uh you know 35 to 40 percent is just enough to you know literally be on the radar for 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 sunday and if that does happen that could make for uh quite a, a spicy turn of events because if you look at the miami uh 
uh, weather forecast for the next uh, week, basically bringing it up to Wednesday next week, that uh, the, the the forecast is identical. It's sort of like like high twenties Celsius, uh, mid twenties uh, for for lows overnight, and just uh, sun and clouds. But it's just a uh, Sunday where we get this uh, the, this chance of a precip, which uh, could certainly make the, the the race a little bit more unpredictable. Whether or not it happens uh, remains to be seen. Mark, I, I wanted to get, uh, just ask you about this because you, you've mentioned it now a couple of times, just the, the, the fact that they've discounted ticket prices heavily because this time last year, there was a lot of people from this community that were heading out to Miami to go and watch this inaugural race. So I know that this time last year, we're getting all these excited messages and photos of people that were were on their way to Miami they were at the track or maybe they they weren't even at the race itself but they were enjoying the experience in and around the city there were, there was a real big like um there's quite a vibe but also a lot of excitement for this one and then over the like the off season or after that one you know the the excitement coming into this year i feel was really tempered it was really you know deflated because there was a lot of people saying well yeah you know they they offered me my seats back for 23 but they've jacked up the prices significantly so a lot of people that went last year that we know of it was just it wasn't even an option for them to consider this year just because that price increase which you know you would expect over time that 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 prices will go up but uh, what sort of increases do you know these numbers off the top of your head like just sort of roughly maybe what some ticket prices uh, went what they were, what they went to, and then how much of a discount are we looking at? Uh, yeah, you know? I think in some cases, and I think that's a great point, that people were genuinely seeing, depending on where they were sitting, increases of 20 to 40%. And don't Ouch. take that as fact. This is just yeah. based on feedback that I've seen and some of the things that I've seen within the app, but not insignificant. And they were not cheap last year. I mean, you and I seriously talked about going and what would that cost? Because of course, when you go to a destination city like Miami on a destination weekend or an event weekend like this, this hotel and hospitality costs are going to be extremely high as well. So all those factors kind of compound to make it, I I would say, unrealistic for a lot of fans. But I think what we've seen, and my mailbox is uh, is testament to this, is they're having trouble selling tickets, at least selling tickets at the the prices that they'd wish to sell them at. Now, again, I still have every reason to think that it will be full come Sunday because I think the last thing that the race organizers would want is the optics of empty seats two years in. I think they I think they would probably rain free tickets down on people and shopping malls in the area to make sure that those seats were filled before they would let them go unsold. Um so I, I do expect it to be I expect it to be full, but One thing I do like about this track, and I think I'm probably coming across as a little bit negative. uh, One of the things that I do like about this track, if if you're not familiar with Miami, um, the NFL stadium, and of course, the former home of the Florida Marlins, now the Miami Marlins, the, the home stadium of the Miami Dolphins, Hard Rock Stadium, is at the heart of this complex. And effectively, the track kind of cuts in and around the stadium, but the stadium itself is almost the centerpiece of the venue for the race weekend. And one of the cool things that they've done this year, and I think we talked about this before, is they've actually loaded the paddock into the center of the stadium. So the stadium is actually integrated into the weekend. So not only are there vantage points from the stadium, and not only are they utilizing the hospitality amenities within the stadium to cater to the fans that are coming, they've pushed the paddock into the center of the stadium, which is 
a really, really cool look. So I'm curious to see how the racing looks this year. If it's wet, I think that would be spectacular. A wet race on, on, on a new aggregate would be very, very, very cool to see and might create some unpredictable racing. But if it's dry, Mark, I, I got to get your opinion on this or your perspective. Like if it's dry, I don't see any reason to expect anything other than a Red Bull one, two. Do you have, are, are you any more optimistic <laughs> than I am about an outcome that's different no, than that? No, not really. And I was going back and looking at the, uh, the, the qualifying report from, from last year, last year we had an all Ferrari front row. Charles was on pole. Carlos was second fastest. Then we had Max and Sergio on row two. Then interestingly, uh, on row three, we had a pairing of two former teammates. Uh, we on fifth last year, we had, uh, Valtteri Bottas and the alpha, uh, lining up up just in front of Lewis, who was in sixth. And we had Pierre Gasly uh, from Alpha Tauri. Lando lined up in eighth. And you had Yuki and then Lance rounding out uh, row five. So where we kind of land this year, I'm, you know, I'm not really too sure, but well, I mean, I'm not really too sure beyond the two other Red Bulls, because like you said, off the top of the, uh, the, the, the show that the, the racing beyond the Red Bulls has been been pretty good uh, this year. And then, of course, uh, last year we had uh, a race classification. Uh, so the, the podium was Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, and Carlos Sainz. I mean, I, I really struggled to see like another Ferrari getting on the podium this weekend. I think that that Baku just with like that that top end speed that the Ferrari has just put them at that little bit of a you know an advantage. But I think they lose that 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 advantage this week, uh, and I think that plays nicely into the Aston Martin, specifically into to, to Fernando's hands. Whether or not they can kind of uh, get one or two of those uh, Ferraris out front of the two Aston Martins and then kind of play defense for. Uh, a good portion, if not all of this race, that uh, is a, a bit of a question. Anyways, kind of uh, moving down from there uh, in P4 and 5, you had Sergio Perez, George Russell, Lewis was 6 last year, Valtteri Bottas, Esteban Ocon, Alex Albon, and then Lance Stroll rounded out uh, the, the the top 10. So, yeah, it's... Um I, I, again, until we're we're proven otherwise, how do, how do you bet against Red Bull at the moment? I mean, both drivers are driving it at a phenomenally high level. The car has been virtually bulletproof. It's been very reliable. The Honda power unit is just uh, delivering a lot of uh, speed and reliability for the most part, and you know, all the way around. It's just uh, an incredibly good package. So I would expect to see more of the same. I mean, if we got the, both uh, Red Bull drivers splitting the you know four wins uh, from four races uh, this season, it's uh, it's how do you choose anyone otherwise? I mean, I, I'm open to being pleasantly uh, surprised, but I don't know unless we have some extenuating circumstances how that uh, that plays out. I think you just set up one of the interesting storylines for this weekend, right? Like if we if we're looking at storylines this weekend, one of them could be, hey, will we see a continuation of the Red Bull dominance? Probably. But within that, within that, we can have that conversation about that battle at the front between Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen. And I think they sit six points apart or something like That's that. That's right. That yep. It's yep. it's very, very close. And I think if if Sergio Perez was able to triumph here in the fifth race of the season and take the lead in the driver's championship championship like that's pretty spicy and something that will be really really interesting to watch i think the other storylines like if if we're if we're trying to find reasons to tune in and i mean you and i don't need reasons we watch every race because that's just who we are what we do but i think if we're looking at other storylines i think the other big ones for me would be can can ferrari build on the 
the progress that they made in Baku or was Baku something of an anomaly? Of course, they scored a podium and Charles Leclerc was on on pole, but can they build on that or was that an anomaly just because that track was particularly well suited to their car? I, I want to continue to see and I think the storylines that I'm most invested in it all this year are are Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll that I think Fernando has been exceptional this year, like absolutely top tier MVP caliber driving, getting every ounce of that, every ounce of performance out of that, that Aston Martin. And at the same time, I'm still not satisfied with what I'm seeing from Lance Stroll, especially since, since Fernando presents such a great barometer of what that car is capable of. And then the other big piece is, like we talked about earlier, we expect to see some fast and furious, no pun intended, upgrades coming to Mercedes. And with these upgrades, are they going to be able to start etching away at that delta between themselves and 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 Red Bull on the track. And then of course the other storylines to look at is Alpha Terry has had a horrible, has had a horrible start. There's no reason to think that's going to turn around, but maybe it does. Can Yuki continue to stay in the points? And then Alpine, their season has been an absolute horror Ugh. show for a team that thought they yeah. would be chasing a top four finish in the constructors championship this year. They, they might be chasing a bottom three finish in the, in the constructors championship based on their progress so far. So, Aside from the fact that we kind of set this up like, hey, will it, won't it be a Red Bull domination, a Red Bull 1-2, there's still other cool storylines to look at. And those are just some of the things that I'll be watching for this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And Hammy, before we uh, wrap this one up, so if you're planning on uh, watching uh, this weekend, so practice one goes on Friday, May 5th. Practice one goes from uh, 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern time. Practice two and three, they go, or sorry, practice two is actually also on Friday. That goes from 5.30 to 6.30 Eastern time. Practice uh, three, FP3, that goes Saturday from 12.30 to 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Qualifying Saturday afternoon from uh, two, sorry, four to five p.m. Eastern. And the race on Sunday starts at 3.30 Eastern time. So there you go. If you're out here on the West Coast, subtract uh, three hours. If you're outside of North America, add or subtract whatever is appropriate or consult the F1 app because they could nicely set it up for your local time or track time, depending where you're at. So you can watch on F1 TV Pro wherever you watch uh, elsewhere. But uh, looking forward to this one uh, again. And there was something else I wanted to add to uh, the discussion, but uh, I can't remember now. But perhaps that's uh, because we've already been sitting here for, for 90 minutes. It's been another long week for both of us. And the fact that it's also almost 11 p.m. Pacific Pacific time that it's at the end of another very very long day and uh, yeah I, I think it's a little bit too late even for someone who's uh, a coffee lover like myself to go and throw another another pot of joe on at 11 p.m because by the time i get done in post it will be very late and um yeah i don't want to be over caffeinated so i'll save the good stuff uh, for the morning anyways hammy uh anything further to add before we wrap this one up I'm getting the head shake. You're already unplugging cables and saving files. Like uh, if you weren't at home in the virtual studio here, I'd say you were halfway out to the parking lot on this one. But uh, this was fun as always. Okay, so as we wrap it up, uh, if you want to get in touch, send us a tweet at Scooter F1 Pod on the Twitters. And if you enjoy the show, please do us a solid. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave a five-star rating and review. That is the quickest, easiest, and most helpful way you can help us uh, grow 
grow this uh, podcast and uh, you know increase the size of the community and do all the fun things that we uh, do here and uh, we would uh, really appreciate it and uh, we thank we're thankful to all of you that have uh, taken the time to uh, leave a, a very nice rating and review for our, our humble little podcast anyways we're gonna wrap it up we'll be back on Sunday to wrap up this podcast we'll try and jump on as as soon as possible after the race is over so we can get that into your devices and get that uh, ready to go for Sunday night or your commute on Monday morning so keep a lookout for that the the next weekly show coming up this time next week so got a couple things on the go here but until Sunday that is us uh, that is it for us for myself and Mr. Mark Hamilton thank you very much for listening enjoy the race weekend and we'll talk to you again on Sunday night and that's it bye for now <laughs>